Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica, and I'm your host. Today is May 10th, 2011. Tonight, we are going to do a show about 13-stepping in AA. Uh, We did one before with Gunther, and that show got taken down. So we wanted to make sure that this was up there and that the record was, uh, you know, out there for people to hear. So we are going to be talking with Callie. Callie is going to be my co-host. I'm so excited tonight. She's going to be coming on in just a minute. Um, this radio show started as Stop 13, Step in AA. I expanded it to Safe Recovery so that we could talk about many more things, which we've been doing. And it was originally created to just raise awareness and give people a voice to stop, you know, sexual harassment, really. You know, that's really what this is about. 13-stepping is just a euphemism for what sexual harassment is. And we'll talk a little bit about financial scams, too. And if anyone wants to talk about sponsorship, power-tripping abuse, be my guest. I'm going to first start out with the call-in number is 818-475-9211. 818-475-9211. So I am going to bring in, let's see, here we go. Hi, Callie. Is that you? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Monica. Hey, welcome. You're on the air. Thank you. Very happy to be here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really glad to have you because you... We're one of the main catalysts for, you know, me to have gotten so involved, as you know, right? Yeah. Right. The good so, old days. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So how is it up there in uh, the the north, what do you call that up there, the mid-northwest of the country? <laughs> we call it the Ozark. <laughs> Ozark. Is it snowing? No, it's not snowing today, but we had a four-day-long blizzard last weekend, and it's May. So. Wow. I don't think I'm coming up there. It was like 85 today and sunny and breezy, so we hope you come and visit soon. Oh, I really hope to. I really do. All right, so I want to jump in, and I thought what we could do is both of us tell our stories a little bit of what happened to us. And uh, and then we'll just springboard from there. We'll just play it uh, as it comes. We have a caller in the queue and some people listening. Welcome. Thanks, everybody, for stopping in and listening. My story started in 1975 when I met a great guy who 12-stepped me on a beach in Kailua, Hawaii. And very quickly, 
there was a guy who was, I didn't know it, but quite a predator, um, preyed on me and what they call, you know, just hit on me and um, 13 stepped me and I got involved with him and after a couple of weeks, as I started to, I thought telling him my fifth step, he told me to get out. This was after two weeks. And so I got out and I was pretty upset. I was young and uh, I... Um, started to work the steps feverishly, thinking that if I didn't, I would get struck drunk. I mean, I'm pretty serious when I say that. And, you know, so I survived that. And then about about 10 months of sobriety, my sister was living with, I would say, two middle-aged guys, and I was coming back from New York. She said I could rent a room, and so I was going to turn 19. She was probably just 21. And these two middle-aged guys wanted to have sex with me and my sister. And when, you know, I refused to do it a second time, they told me I needed to leave because my little kitten was bugging them too much. So anyway, they told me to get out, and uh, I did get out. And the more that I work on this stuff and look back, I almost see that my life, I was saying this to my husband the other day, that my life actually started to get worse, did not get better, and it continually spiraled down until I was about three years sober. And uh, I think I stayed sober uh, because I'm strong and I wanted to stay sober. And then I met Mary, who became my sponsor, who had heard what was going on there, and she sort of came over to the windward side and asked me if you know she could sponsor me, and she really, really helped me a great deal. So that's sort of the crux of my beginnings, and then I went on to think that things got better when I met you, Callie. So how about you tell tell the listeners and me your story, what happened? Well, um, I was also really young when I was introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous, and, you know, it speaks about, in the big book, it talks about how sometimes women <laughs> fall a little bit harder, a little bit faster, and that was definitely... Um, Definitely my story. Um, I was introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous by a great guy, a really great guy. He took me out on a date, and after the first date, he said, I know where you need to go. Why don't you come to this meeting with me? And and thus began my journey in Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, very grateful for the 12-step base and um, very grateful for the tools that I learned. But the things, there are lots of things in Alcoholics Anonymous that held me back. Um, And number one would be be the idea that that I can't do it without them, Mm -hmm. Um, that that I have to support, I have to be, just as Monica mentioned, she mentioned about... um, not really feeling, she was afraid that she was going to be struck drunk if she didn't do what she was told. And I definitely felt like I was going to be struck drunk if I didn't do what I was told. And the other thing that I was told repeatedly was that my best thinking had gotten me here. And what ended up happening because of that phrase, because of that phrase that my best thinking had gotten me in this position, I did the opposite of everything my intuition told me. So everything that my gut was saying, screaming, mm-hmm. get away, get away, do something different, you know, try something else out. 
I did the opposite of that. So I suppressed everything my intuition told me. And as a result of that, I was an alcoholic, or I was going to meetings for a matter of weeks when a 30-year-old gentleman who uh, was over five years sober introduced himself to me and quickly moved into my apartment. Now, my gut intuition immediately told me this is wrong. There's something wrong here. You know, this is not right. He, If he has five years sobriety, you know, right. he should be healthier than this. And why is he moving in into an apartment with somebody who's not even, you know, I wasn't even a couple of weeks sober and I was brand new at this experience. And But that idea, that pounding into my head, meeting after meeting, that my best thinking had got me here, caused mm-hmm. me to do the opposite of what my intuition had told me. And as a result of this, this man ended up living off of me, taking my money, telling me that I was a terrible person, that the things that I had done in my past I hadn't atoned for yet, <laughs> and that mm-hmm. I was I was disgusting and that um that, you know, just and every time I would say, Well, isn't it kind of weird that you don't have a job? You know, <laughs> if you're five years sober, shouldn't you shouldn't you like isn't that part of the requirement that we start paying back people? You know, things like that. And I would bring this stuff up, you know, kind of like with my fingers across my mouth thinking, dare I do even say anything? Do I dare I even that like I don't I don't want to I don't want to harm anybody because that's the other thing is you know don't harm just the tone you know and I'm like terrified I'm terrified by all these things that I hear that if I do the opposite that I'm going to get drunk if I mm-hmm. stand up for myself I'm going to get drunk if I do what my gut intuition tells me I'm going to get drunk and I was terrified and as a result of that I stayed in this relationship for over a year. Over a year, I let this this man verbally and mentally abuse me while stealing money from me, you know, and um, and I did it because I was afraid. I did it because I was scared that if I didn't do it, I would get drunk because my best thinking had got me there, you know. And as, by the grace of God, because I believe in an amazing God, and I, I mean not to not to put down any anybody's beliefs, you know, but this is just mm-hmm. my personal belief. And I believe that, you know, I was I met Massive Attack for a reason, you know, so that I could come to her crying and I did. I opened up, I bawled in a meeting about how I felt in my gut that this was wrong, but I was terrified to change it because I didn't know if I was gonna get drunk. If I did. Right. And you know, and, and Yeah, come sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, you were how many days sober when I met you in that meeting when you were crying? I was, I was thirty thirty something. Yeah, it was, it was about thirty something days when I was in there crying, and he stayed, so, and I stayed in that for a long time. So what happened was then, you know, Callie was crying. I, I sat there and I thought, this can't be possible. Like thirty years have passed. This sounds. Like my story in some ways, I was a little younger. I was 18. You were 23 then or 22? No, I was 21. 21 or 22. Yeah. Okay, so you're 22, but there was so many similarities um, and the words you were using and, uh, you know, you were saying things already like what your part was in it. And I was like, and how long was this guy sober? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, it was always it was always the what's my part in this? Well, I'm the one who's allowing it, and but you were the only one who said anything different. 
you were the only one who came up to me, you know, well, Pam came up, but mm-hmm. who came up and said, like, no, this is wrong. The way that you're thinking is wrong. But mm-hmm. everybody else seemed to go along with this theology, so I was scared. Right, was right. And, and So I went up to you and told you that, you know, my two cents, which was what had happened to me and what he was doing was wrong, and then I, I told you that if you wanted, I would come with you, and I would even bring my big, strong, big husband with me, and we wouldn't even say anything. We would just be there to sort of back you up, and you could tell him, uh, with the buddy, right? you got to get out. Yep, yep. And, and how long did it, <laughs> it took you, uh, uh, you know, uh, some time? But what's so cool, I want to tell the listeners, that eventually Callie did get to that place, and the day that you called me, I was here. It was in the mid-morning, right? It was like 9.30 or something. And yep. and Kevin was home. He's not always, you know, he, he works and he's, but he works odd hours and, you know, comes and goes. But he was here. And Callie called me crying and, and told told me what, <laughs> what, what was happening when you called me that day. Well, I said I had finally done it. I had finally ended it and I needed help. And you know, I needed help because I didn't know what to do now. He had, inadvertently, I had come home and found somebody else in my apartment that I was paying for him to stay home at all day long. And he had brought in another woman over to my apartment. And um, so I I then was given the courage, you know, to say, okay, get out. This is enough. Enough is enough. And, mm-hmm. you know, I called you and, and Kevin, and you jumped. You jumped to my rescue. <laughs> and stayed with me as I cried because I was so terrified that, you know, this big life-changing event would get me drunk. <laughs> and so the saga began. So we went over there, and um, she had thrown, you had put a bunch of the stuff, right, in some big black bags and had thrown them out. But mm-hmm. the guy actually, Kevin and I were sitting at a little studio in, like, uh, West L.A., and we're sitting on the, her bed, and the door goes, plunk, 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 and she opens the door, and there's this guy who had threatened to use and he looked in this tiny little studio, and who's sitting there but me and Kevin? And mm-hmm. Kelly just let him have it and slammed the door. It was It was yeah. really awesome. It was really awesome, and our friendship began... Um, you know, from that point on, uh, well, you know what? I think it really, it really began then. What's the next thing that we did? Um, I guess it was when you. It was a year later, so it was 2010 when we began to. You started to tell me what was going on in the other meetings. When you finally threw him out, you were going to a lot of mixed meetings where there were younger people sprinkled in with the other people, right? Yeah, absolutely. I also just wanted to speak up and say that that was the first time, thanks thanks to you, that that was the first time that I actually felt my own strength and my own power and my own ability to say, like, no, this is not right and it's going to be okay. Like, it's going to be okay for me to stand up for myself. And that was just by the grace of God, that you you and Kevin, you know, stood behind me and, and propelled me forward. So I just wanted to say that, that that was like the beginning of me having a voice with that moment. And so, um, Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, um, thank you. I, I was really glad. I, I hoped that the day would come 
when I could do that for you. Uh, I have, And I think this is a good time to bring this other caller in because we have somebody that's calling in that is standing up for herself. So I am going to bring her in right now. Hello. You are... Hello. Hi. You're on air. Is this Carolyn? Yes, it is. Hi, Monica. Hi, Carolyn. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Safe Thank recovery. You. you are on air. So uh, you heard Callie and I talking about our little story, and you and I have been talking and emailing. So I would love for you to just tell as much as you want to tell of what has happened to you there uh, in Arizona. Oh, Lord. What do I have, 45 minutes? <laughs> um, <laughs> so much has happened. First of all, Callie, um, back to what you said about him having five years, he should have uh, been so much farther. I learned early on that the number of years of sobriety that you do have does not equate to quality sobriety. And so I'd like the listeners to know that. Just because they have 20 years of sobriety doesn't mean that they live a quality um, moral life and that they, that they live the way that they should and treat the people that, the way that they should. Now, having said that, um, I I had a hard time. I was in and out, in and out. But when I finally got it and had my spiritual um, experience with God, um, I went to this one meeting, and the reason I bring up um, what Callie talked about is um, oh, I was befriended immediately by so many guys. Um, one just came right up to me in the middle of the meeting. There, It was usually about 15 people and kissed me right on the lips. And I, I was in shock, and I said, and your name is? Mm-hmm. And he told me. I know, and he had been sober nine years, mm-hmm. and he oh is a radi—he's a radiologist. He's a doctor, for heaven's sakes. Oh. Um, but that doesn't mean squat. You know, mm-hmm. the, the number of years, his education—that doesn't mean anything. Um, mm-hmm. We did have a relationship for a short time. Um, he forgot he was married and had three kids. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, and then um, there was another guy um, in there who I would walk to this meeting. It was about a half mile, so it was part of my exercise. And it was a 7 o'clock in the morning meeting, so it was beautiful here in Arizona. I'm from Arizona. And um, so this one guy would would walk his bike while he was walking me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after a little bit, he attacked me, held me down, he oh. licked and kissed me. Wow. Oh, my gosh. When I, got, I know. When, when I got loose, I nailed him. I mean, I hit him as hard as I could, mm-hmm. and I told him that he crossed the line. We are no longer friends. Don't ever do that again and do not, do not ever talk to me. Mm-hmm. And I immediately called my sponsor who um, said, oh, that's not against the law, um, oh, don't worry. Oh. And, and, and mind you, my sponsor is married to an attorney. Wow. I said, oh, my how goodness. on earth can you tell me that this is against the law? I said, when someone has to hold you down to kiss and, oh, God, lick, 
Um, that is that is not right. That is that is against the law. And um, so I went to other people. I was told to play nicely in the sandbox. I was told, um, oh, he just likes you a lot. I was uh-huh. told um, to leave it be by my sponsor. I'm not going to talk about this anymore. And then finally that doctor guy took me from the meeting to a coffee place and threatened me. If you ever talk about this anymore, you're going to be on the outside looking in. And wow. that was within the first seven months of my sobriety. Oh, and my. I thought, oh wow. my God. I know. I know. It was it was unbelievable. Um, you know, and then I had complications. Um, I got breast cancer during that time. Um, that guy tried to jump me again uh, because nothing was done about it, so he thought he could get away with it again. Um, this time, I don't know if I should say this, but there were two hits. I hit him and he hit the ground. And, yeah. <laughs> and um, but, you know, I'll fast forward with this instance. Because nothing was done to him, about six months ago he did it to another girl. And she was a newcomer, and she stopped coming to this other meeting that I had been going to. Um, Are you still in touch with that girl? Oh, I'm sorry. Are you still in touch with the girl who left that he did that? No, what what happened was is a friend of hers called in and reported it and and wanted me to give um, a a testimony Mm -hmm. and... She would give me a call in a couple of days, and she got frightened and just backed out and never did, and she has never returned. Mm-hmm. And sure. um, so that's why this has meeting, gone unchecked for 75 years. I, I'm sorry? I said, I said that's the perfect, that, that in and of itself, that in the nutshell is why this has been happening for 75 years. Uh, oh, I know it, yeah. it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's right. It um, actually, yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, so they made it very uncomfortable for me. The guy that attacked me was still going to that meeting, and I was I was going through um, the breast cancer treatments and and all that stuff, and I was still walking to the meeting. I was I'm stubborn. I'm you know I'm I'm not going to give up my walks, and and I would have the um, the treatments afterwards. So and then I you know deal with it for the rest of the day. Anyway, um, he would you know take jabs at me during the meeting, which was not right. Um, it's not part of the the protocol or or um, or the way that we are supposed to behave in, in meetings. But they let it go. Well, and what, one what day was some of the I, things? Carolyn, give us oh, an he example. Would say, okay. Well, he would never be on topic. Say the topic is serenity. No, mm-hmm. that's not good. Say the topic is I'm um, helping others. And it would come to him, and he would say, I have resentments. I love resentments. I relish in resentments. And then he looked straight at me, and he said, I even have some for people in here. And the guy hit me in the shoulder, and he said, he's looking straight at you when he said that. 
And so I said, okay, you want to name some people? And he goes, do you want me to? And I said, I'm sure I'm at the top of the list. And then they yell at me saying, no crosstalk. And I thought, okay, this is, I I fought for this meeting. I wasn't going to be run out because of this sick behavior. But it had got to the point that I was going in feeling good and coming out feeling worse. And that is not a good meeting. So I changed yeah. over to this other place, and it, which was a lot larger. So I went from 15 to about 200, mm-hmm. which I thought I was going to be safer, but it just increased the percentage of um, predators. Um, mm-hmm. I was marked as soon as I walked in the door. Um, I have been, I bent over one time um, after the speaker. We have a break bent over into my purse, and a guy slips his arm around my waist and up towards my chest, and if I didn't grab him, he would have got me. Um, I've had um, my ass, oops, I've had my my um, buttocks grabbed so many times. I've been um, grabbed from behind and turned and thrust into their chest so we could have a chest-to-chest hug. Wow. Um It's just, you know, I've been told um, bad things um, about male um, genitalia. I have been um, text for sex. Um, You name it, it has been done. And every single one of these instances is against the law. I have every one from sexual harassment, there's sexual fondling sexual battery, sexual assault, sexual texting, which is called sexting, and Mm -hmm. there's also um, sexual advances Mm -hmm. that that are against the law. So um, it it is amazing. Um, I have gone for help, and what they did is... um, they set up some people in the room to watch over me. Mm-hmm. Well, these predators are watching other people, and they know when the, the right right time to move is. And one of their favorites and most disgusting one is they pretend because there's so many people in the room that there's hardly any room, and they grab you around the hips, and they rub their front against their front part against your derriere. To yeah. This um, is like, you know, you have such a case. I have to say we started this. Uh, I'm going to give you more time if you need more time. But to just say that Callie and I were talking about, like it started with 13-stepping, which is something that happened outside of a meeting. So when we brought it up, they were like, well, that doesn't happen in the rooms. And then actually somebody in the first workshop said, well, excuse me, but uh, it does happen in the rooms. I've had men put their hand on my leg that I wasn't dating or that weren't my husband or boyfriend. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and she was just right. this is a simple hand on someone's leg when you they didn't know you. And uh, this everything you said here happened in a meeting, and it yes. all is uh, sexual harassment and battery, and it is against the law. So uh, it is, and mm-hmm. and their um, suggestion to me. Mm-hmm. was to take self-defense classes. Oh, 
Ah, just my God. an AA meeting. I said, why not eradicate the situation and let's put up posters, let's put pamphlets up, let's, let's say something after the preamble and, um, well, we have to bring it to the committee, which it was, you know, pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back to the point that um, I stopped going so I could get my emotional sobriety back. Um, and the first two days I went back, wham, wham, I was hit both days, and that was it. And that's when I talked to you, Monica. Um, and so now I'm taking action. Now I'm just, I'm mad. Um, I have been mad, and I thought I'd, you know, go and get help from um, the committee. Um, they don't want to address the situation. They said that I'm a drama queen. Well, <laughs> I'm not, but they're going to see one, I think. Yeah. I would love yeah. to... I just want to interject here yeah. quickly and say that I haven't gone to a meeting since um, about two weeks into my move. I, I moved from Los Angeles to the northwestern area of the United States, and <clears throat> I went for about two weeks and felt so uncomfortable and so, you know, grossed out that I did not ever return to to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings because. There were people there claiming 20, 30 years of sobriety who had not changed their lives. Like nothing in their life had changed no, except for that no, they were not drinking. Mm-hmm, but what I wanted to say was just that, so it's been nearly 10 months now since I've been in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, and this is the first uh-huh. time that I've heard your story, and I am standing mm-hmm. here with my jaw to the floor thinking who in their right mind has not attacked this issue. This is outrageous. Never Mm -hmm. could you walk down the street and somebody lick you Mm -hmm. and there not be repercussions. How could you walk down the street and somebody pat you on the ass and there not be repercussions? Even in the bar scene, which I've been to many clubs and seen many bands now play since I've been sober and, and... you know, not in meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. And even out there, that does not happen, you know? Right. So why is it okay in Alcoholics yeah. Anonymous? I am, well, you my jaw they, is on the floor. They think they are untouchable. I have gone to AA headquarters, which um, I was told to go to GSO. GSO says AA headquarters does not exist. So I offered them their telephone number to help them out. Um, <laughs> so, so they they think that if they don't acknowledge the situation and they defer it down, they don't give advice, then they're not held responsible. But they are because they are holding these meetings. These meetings are nation worldwide. They're across the nation, and my my rights follow me across the nation. And I have called on one of the best reporters um, here in Arizona. He was the one that broke the Colorado City um, Mormon child um, sex slave thing that was going on. Um, He's been doing this for 30 years, and I'm inundating him with just, I I email him every day with with something. 
So um, hopefully after this uh, Osama bin Laden thing is done, um, he'll he'll start taking notice of this. But um, well, the meeting that yeah, Carolyn, um, I know that you had to leave early for different reasons, uh, yeah, and and can't stay with us for the whole show. But do uh-huh. you want to wrap it up and, and say uh, maybe the name of the reporter, that if anyone else out there has stories they want to send to him or what your plan is, or is there something else you just want to, in, in a minute, say? Okay. Um, the re- reporter is Mike Watkiss. His email address is M-W-A-T-K-I-S at avfamily.com and you can send um, all your um, experiences with sexual harassment to him and um, I I really hope that he he does something. I am doing something personal with my own this last meeting. Um, I'm going to get it eradicated. It's not going to change their behavior. They'll just go to a different site and they'll still act the same way but I feel vindicated. Um, oh, okay. So let's. See. I'm going to read it back to you. It's M W A T K I S S at A Z, like in Victor. A Z as in um, zoo. Oh, A Z. A Z family. Yeah, Arizona. A- uh-huh. oh, Arizona. Okay, A Z Um Carolyn, I want to thank you so much for coming on, and we're going to have a part two, and I'll ask you back. How about that? Okay. Thank you so much. All right, thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, Kelly, we have another caller on the line. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. Like, you know, my jaw, you know, when she first started emailing me, my jaw was dropping. And um, But I think that it's going to take somebody who's being harassed in the rooms to really bring around the change that, you know, we need. I have someone, let me see. Caller, you are on air. Welcome. Yes. Uh, hello? Hi, Kevin. Yes. Hey, Monica. How you doing? Good. Good. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I what? caught a little... Yeah, I caught a, about the last uh, 10 minutes or so of the young lady that was speaking, and I think I heard Callie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Hi. How are Hi. you? Very good to hear hey. you. <laughs> hey, Callie. Great to hear you. I mean... It's really good to hear you, Monica. I really, I got to say again, I'm so proud of you for what you're doing by making a stand and and just verbalizing, uh, you know, the feelings of these people of just who have went through this. I yeah, I just can't believe what I just heard this last couple mm-hmm. minutes. I really can't believe it, and, yeah. and it just it just <laughs> blows me away. And we've discussed mm-hmm. this before. Somebody pinches you on the ass and you don't know them out in the street. It's illegal. If they do it inside the rooms, it's illegal. And I don't know why I don't know why either that people feel safe inside these rooms, whether they think it's okay for them to go out and do these things. Why? Because there are other criminals in there and it's okay? I mean, it, it just it doesn't make sense. No. So, uh, I mean, these, you discussed earlier how someone has already tried to slit someone's throat just quite recently. Uh, mm-hmm. You you know how I've had I've met a friend who was literally literally cut to pieces by meeting a couple of uh, people in the rooms, and so it's like what what is it going to take? I mean, you go out in the street if some child someone is hit on the corner of an intersection, whether more one or two or three times, they either put a stoplight there or a stop sign. They do something. You right. see what I'm saying? But right. unfortunately, in the rooms, we have seen no action. 
dealing with the subject, it, it's just horrible. It is horrible. So what I do personally is that I get up at the end of the meeting and, and mention your program, how you're, you're writing this grassroots program, uh, dealing with predators, both financial and sexual, in the rooms. And just to let them know, and I let people, you know, just basically uh, try to help them be aware of what's going on, that we're not right. ignoring that pink elephant. And I think I don't care what meeting I go to, if I need to make that announcement, that's what I will make. Mm-hmm. Because just, just to plant that seed that this has to stop, that it's not allowed, you know. So uh, I, I was, I'm just infuriated over, over what I just heard. I'm infuriated. Yeah, I just yeah, can't yeah. Believe she really needs, she needs the support. I think that, um, like there was another woman here that had gone into the Marina Center where it happened to her, and she was completely unsupported and went out. But this, what this woman is telling us is completely outrageous and continued, and I, I know for a fact that she called the police, and the police did not help her. Uh, they actually told her, from what she told me, that she um, uh, needed someone to get to be to see it happen and uh, or get a, a picture of it. And I said, well, fine, then get somebody walking behind you with the camera, like you know, right. get your phone right. out. But you're right, Kevin. I mean, this this stuff is really getting big, and what happened to Tracy White. Um, you know what happened where the man in uh, up in Michigan got his throat slit in a meeting by a member is just escalating. And when people say, "Oh, this happens everywhere," no, it doesn't happen everywhere. It just never happened to me in the supermarket. Has it ever happened to you in the supermarket, Kelly? No, never. None of this yeah. stuff. Mm, right. right, it's un, it's, un, it's unheard of. And, uh, and does that alone? I mean, for those who are listening who have no idea about what Tracy. What happened with Tracy? Tracy White, uh, literally, uh, end of November, uh, beginning of December last uh, year, 2010, went out a 12-step call at 3 o'clock in the morning, helped a couple who he who we met in the rooms, and he's helped out before, and they called saying they needed help, they needed a ride, uh, or needed money. He went to help them. They 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 cut him, they they, they surprised him, stabbed him in the neck. Uh, the, the robbery went wrong. This was a very big, strong guy. I knew him personally. He was a friend. Um, what was Tracy six five maybe? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Very powerful martial artist. This this young couple stabbed him, cut my friend into pieces, literally into pieces. Uh, where oh. where 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 a uh, the uh, the housemaid or whatever the housekeeping came found him in pieces under the bed in a knapsack. I, I can't dis- I don't know, I didn't want to go go there at the moment, but this mm-hmm. is the this is the kind of people we meet in these rooms. This is the kind of people we meet, and we have no idea who we're sitting next to sometimes. Now, uh, there are some wonderful things. I'm grateful for what I've, uh, for becoming sober from the, from the rooms. I'm really happy for my life today. However, these issues still exist, and they need to be addressed. These people need to be aware of what's going on, and uh, it has to stop. It really has to stop. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that um, there has to be a national coalition. You know, they have... They are custodians. The general service office exists. You know, it's a big office on Riverside Drive where 12 million a year flows through the coffers there. Six million come in with them selling books to the prison system and to Hazleton and to rehabs, and the other six million comes in in dollars and quarters from around. It's a business. Uh, you know, it's a business. Yeah, it's a business. It's a, it's a big business. So they have a responsibility to get the word out. Um, we have another caller here. Uh, I, they have their hand up, wanting to come in. Would you like to stay on, Kevin, and, and talk with us? No, I'm more? good. I, I just, I just, I wanted to thank you so much again, and Kelly, great to oh, hear your voice. Oh, thank it's you so, so much, Kevin. Thank you. Yes, it's, uh, you your voice too, Kat. Thank okay. you, and Monica. Just 
please keep it up. You're unbelievable what you're doing, and this is something that just needs to be spread worldwide. Honestly. All God. right. Thank you, Honestly. Kevin. Thank you so much. You're and welcome. good night. Thank you. So let's see. We have a next caller here. Hi, caller. You're on air. Hello. Hi. Monica, this is Keeper. Hi, Keeper. How are you? Um, blown away by your show once again. Uh, I can't tell you how empowering it is for me to hear more people bringing their voice to the table and saying this has got to stop. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, um, really, if I could bend some judges' ears, because uh, therein lies a big key right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They keep sending known criminals into the rooms that have no intention of recovery to start with. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting next to us, and we don't know no different. You know, mm-hmm. but, you know, some of the things that I did with my son's case that really helped me, um, because, you know, uh, my son's sponsor after he murdered him, but before everything, you know, came out in the air oh and we knew, we knew it for certain that it was him. Um, you know, there was a four years in there where this man came and sat across the table. He hunted me down to find out what meeting I was going to because I changed my meetings. And he would come and sit, and I still had no support in the room. People believed the same thing I did, but yet they wouldn't stand up for me because, you know, we're in the rooms, we're in the rooms. No, 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 because like Callie keeps bringing up, if this happened in the grocery store, you'd be calling the law. Why aren't you calling the law in the rooms? And that's oh my, my God, question that's that I ask all the time. You right, know, so and, Callie, and Callie doesn't know your story. Callie doesn't know you, my story. Right, my I son. Ron. Yeah, go ahead, tell her. Tell her what um, you feel like telling tonight. Um, I've got 23 years, Callie. I don't attend AA meetings near as regularly as I used to because of my own story. My son came into the rooms, and he was eventually. Um, uh, his son took se- his sponsor took sexual liberties with him while he was a teenager, and in the end, um, they stole a piece of property that had been left to him, and they murdered him over the seven hundred thousand dollar note they took against that property. So oh he was God. murdered by his sponsor, and so uh, it's been a long haul of me having to sit alone. And you have no idea what a blessing it is to hear other people standing up and saying, you know what, all this crazy stuff that we would call the law on if we were at the beach, if we were at the coffee shop, if we were at the grocery store, has got to stop in these rooms. That's right. And, and, And it does. You know, I came in and Monica came in when, you know, there were still some old timers that would pull you to the side and say this is unacceptable behavior and you'd be chastised and you were let known. You know, and that's why a lot of the groups have gone to closed meetings. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can't say you're, you know, if you get a piece of paper, you can't be in there. And, uh, you know, you have to really identify as being an alcoholic or you can't be in there. But one of the things that really helped me through this time, um, besides, you know, I jumped into the sister rooms of NA when I really needed to face-to-face, was that I got online and started doing online meetings. So if anybody's out there and they feel that they still need the support and they still need the meeting room. You know, online is a good venue where you don't have to deal with as much of these kinds of issues. That's right. That's Just right. I have found a lot of A suggestion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and so I wanted to 
in your show today, at least put one suggestion in there that might help somebody today. Thank you so much. You know, and thank you for all of your work. Thanks, Kevin, for his call in and, and Callie. You too. I'm really sorry that we've had these experiences. But GSO has got quit saying we can just turn our face because we can't. We can't turn our face. It's not going away. It's getting bigger by the day. Yes, yes, it is. It is. And it's getting like scarier by the day. On, Keeper? Would you like to stay sure. on, Keeper? Sure. Okay, so I, I just want to say that, um, you know, uh, once again, I, I'm so sorry. I know you, the whole story from, you know, talking to you, and I, I'll, I will call you either tomorrow or the next day for what I called you the other day. Um, I want to say that from... It's interesting how Keeper and I came about, and that's why the importance of one workshop can really out. So the literature is a really great tool, but what happened from... Kelly and I made a flyer. That's how it started. We just printed up something. Uh, I wrote the first one. Kelly helped me rewrite it. A couple of other women helped me helped me let's make it better. Kelly and I started to go to meetings. Kelly took them and made announcements. And why don't you tell them, Kelly, what happened when you went to meetings alone to make the announcement? So we were going to um, have a I was chastised. I was yeah. I was absolutely chastised. I was I was approached by. Um, men after the meeting, before the meeting, at the break of the meeting, um, all telling me the same thing, that um, that what I was doing was wrong, that I was scaring away all the women, um, that I was disrupting the meeting, that, um, that because of what I was doing, people didn't feel safe. Because of what I was doing, <laughs> bringing awareness yeah, to the, the meeting. Irony, right? Because of what I was doing, I, I made people feel unsafe in the room. You know, and um, it just, it just, it got to the point, honestly, where I became terrified to go to my meetings without somebody else who was bigger than me and stronger than me and would save me if something happened. And so whether that meant that I was only going to meetings with Monica, only going to meetings with Kevin, or only going to meetings with my friend Dan, that's mm-hmm. what it came down to in the end. And my last um, month there, I was a secretary of a meeting. I had been nominated to be a secretary of a meeting, and I had implemented a phrase to be read, you know, before, after the preamble um, regarding sexual harassment and safety in the rooms and just a, a general awareness of that this is possible. Please don't take rides from people, you know, and because I was a secretary of an open meeting, you know, and um, it, it – Honestly, what it came down to was all those creepers started leaving. They started yep. leaving my meetings because mm-hmm. our light, the light that Monica and I and Kevin and Dan and, you know, everybody else brought to that meeting pushed them away. But it didn't push them away from Alcoholics Anonymous. They just pushed them away from my meeting, you know. And it, it just, it was really scary. It was really scary times. Yeah, I mean, I went there uh, to make the announcement, and I came home, and I said, um, "You need to come with me." And I said, "I could, I there are violent criminals in there. I can feel it." And I, at that point, I'd been going to my women's meeting, so I didn't know about the, that the courts had been sending uh, violent criminals, uh, not just DUIs, because DUIs for the most part are just average, you know, variety of person, uh, you know, that is a different cross section of society. 
but that I didn't know um, that they were sending the criminals. So I came home, and he came with me, and he made the announcement, and you could just feel the ripple in the room. And I did have men come up to me and say to me, um, you know, they'd whisper, though, you know, like, thanks so much. And one guy had the nerve to say, give me your literature, you know, I'll put it here. Um, you know, tonight's show is it's really going by fast, so we are going to do a part two. So what came of that is we just, we had a workshop, and from the workshop uh, we had people from Covina because I was a general service rep, and it, the word kind of got around. Nobody would make me let me make announcements, but Tally and I would go to those Westside District meetings anyway, make the announcement uh, roguely, and pass out stuff. And so about 35 people came to a church on a Saturday, April 4th or something like that, in last 2010, Callie, right? It was just a year ago. Yep. yep. That all happened, and so much transpired. But what came of that is a big group came from West Covina, where there's a 502 club, where there was a man doing a lot what, like what Carolyn explained, where that he would lean forward when a girl would raise her hand, and he'd say, hey, there's one for you. And uh, it turned out that a girl, uh, two girls came forward with sort of, uh, not confessions, what would you say, a testimony of being raped. And they left it with me. <laughs> and I collected, you know, everybody, we actually just collected stories, people shared at the table. It was very uh, emotional, old-timers with, you know, 20, 30, what, art had like 35 years, said that, you know, the old-timers were afraid. He used to, they used to take them out back and beat them up, Keeper. They didn't just, you know, to say, come on, and don't do that. He said they beat him up in California. Um, if they were acting badly, and he said, I'm too old now, I can't do that anymore. I'm 75, and they're 45, and I'm afraid of them. And so they all know that. And so the girls came forward as a result, and they, the guy got put in jail, and then the girls got scared, and she went into rehab, and then you know, now he's out and about. But I found you because one of the women who came to the workshop was on Facebook talking, and I saw what you put down there, and I was just again, I was like, talk about jaw dropping, Callie. I was just, uh, I was so, you know, upset about it. And I reached out to Keeper. I reached out to you, and I had, had to, to move all the way across the country. It, mm-hmm. I had to wait for my son's case to be what I felt was resolved, which took years. Um, but you know, when when I finally could, I had to, you know, move all the way across the country, even today. It's not. It's been nine years, and it's difficult to talk about. And it's difficult when I'm approached by another member in the rooms that says that want to know how can you stay here once that's been done. And and I feel I owe it to my son to stay here and say, as long as I'm in this room, I'm sorry, it's not going on because I'm not going to keep my mouth shut, and I will call the law in a meeting room. Mm-hmm. I don't care. You know, if I call and the law that, any other place, I should be calling it there, too. And, um, you know, I've got a daughter that came in the rooms, and she was approached, you know, by a member who didn't know that she was my daughter. And uh, he offered to give her a ride home one night, and she was 17 at the time and told her she'd either put out or get out. Wow. And she said, you obviously don't know who my mother is. You know, and and thank God he did because he brought her home. But, you know, I had some uh, male friends of mine from the rooms go and have a talk with him because I was so mad I took a baseball bat to him. You know, that stuff should not be going on. And let's face it, we have younger and younger people coming in our doors, and we need to do something to protect them. 
Yeah, I, I actually think they shouldn't be allowed. I, uh, the more I've been talking to someone, I, I think <laughs> there should be an age, and that um, the fact is that if a pedophile, if a sex offender level, whatever, you probably know better than me, level whatever, that they're not supposed to be 20 feet, you know, uh, within a child, uh, that I don't think that they should be. And for more reasons than one, that your belief systems are not developed. I mean, I was 18, and I think, man, you shouldn't be 21 before going to AA. Like, there's too many yeah. too many things. I, I think I, that I, should be taken care of, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. more in a therapeutic uh, way, uh, maybe in a counseling setting or something. But, right, um, right. You know, I, I, I you know, I'm afraid to go in the room. I, you know, today, if my kids were the same age today, there's no way I'd bring them in the room. No way I'd let them in the room. Mm-hmm. And, and it breaks my heart that I feel that way, but I do. Yeah. Well, I, I think that it's okay for you to feel that way. That unless uh, I was talking to my therapist about it, and she said, no, there needs to be rules and protocols written. And if anybody yeah. out there doesn't know it, um, and I, I questioned it in the beginning, I will let everybody know it that the facts are that the traditions were written in the 50s, everybody. They were written in the 1950s when Alcoholics Anonymous and all its arrogance in New York and every delegate and every service person and every board member and every person who gets paid now, they didn't want black people. They didn't want gay people. They didn't want addicts. They didn't want low-level drunks. They wanted people in suits like Bill Wilson. And, yes, they did screen their folks. And they yes, were glad they to did. take the Hollywood folks and in. And that's what sponsorship was all about. They had mm-hmm. to sponsor you for for you to even get in. That's right. They were saying, I'm going to take responsibility for the actions of this person. And that's why they pull you outside the meeting and have words with you. Right. Whatever it right. was. Because it was whatever you did looked upon them. It's not that way anymore. But the rest of it didn't catch up. You know, those practices aren't being done anymore. Right. And, you know, whether you feel good or bad about it, they're not being done. And, you know, the reality is, though, the problem did not go away. It expanded along with AA. Mm-hmm. It expanded. Mm-hmm. But now right. there's no solution in place. And we need to get a solution. And we need to get enough voices to say, look, it is ours. We're a member when we say we are. Well, we're members and we're saying this is wrong. And so maybe what we need to do is not talk to GSO, but start at our home groups saying, look, we need to put our foot down. Oh, at we least did at not this group. At What's least that, at this group. What's that, Kelly? Oh, I said, I said, yeah, we did that too. And what happened was that Monica and I were eventually ostracized. You know, oh, they, know. <laughs> they they pretty faced us. They pretty faced us, you know, yeah. for a while because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But the day came when I too didn't feel comfortable in my home women's meeting, yeah. and I know that day has come for Monica as well. You know, right? Yeah. Uh, we oh, have five I know. Minutes, we have five minutes left. I want to say this exactly on that note. So we did that, and what we did in the group is we had business meeting after business meeting because I was, like, relentless, you know. It was kind of scary, me and Callie. And um, mm-hmm. the woman who was the secretary at the time was a fairly open woman. You know, she, I mean, she was really supportive. And what we did get done is that the group actually uh, voted unanimously uh, after really discussing it very sanely, that we were going to say we want no one to feel unsafe. If you feel unsafe, talk to the secretary or somebody else. No one should be sexually harassed or financially 
you know, uh, heard in any way. And when people come, when women come from out of our meeting and read that, you watch their face. It's so interesting to watch these women's faces come in as they read the statement that is read right after the preamble. It's very, very powerful. And then we voted, we, we redid this literature with me and Callie and three other women until it got to the way that it is now, this green literature. And if anyone's listening and you want it, I will send it to you. I think I owe you, you know, I forgot to send you, Keeper. We're going to have to talk later, okay, so I can send you more. But we got to a place that our group did agree that we would just keep it, you know, separately from GSO, GSR liter, GSO literature, um, not that my group really cared because they have lots of other, you know, workshops that they put on the table and they support, you know, doing other things. But the fact is true that what Kelly said is that we were, there was a certain ice, you know, ostracization, that that's the word, that really happened. And that, but now what's happening is that even though that happened and um, there's these younger women coming from other meetings, maybe where you went, Kelly, that now are coming and have a, are really pissed off, and they're taking like 10 pamphlets and 20 pamphlets, and they're coming back saying, we don't care what they think. So they don't even know me or you, Callie, and they are you know, starting to realize that you know, eventually I may be you know, uh, not here. And um, uh, Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm listening. Oh. Sorry, something just happened to my my player. Like it didn't say how many you know minutes were left. Oh, two minutes remaining. Okay, so we have just two minutes. Callie, one minute. Wrap wrap up for what we'd like to say. All I want to say is that there there is a solution out there, and we are not powerless. Like number one thing that I heard in Alcoholics Anonymous was that I had to be powerless for anything to change, and that is not true. The opposite is true, is that I am a powerful voice. I am a powerful light, and that this is not right. It is not right in the grocery store. It is not right on the street, and it is not right in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Awesome. And Keeper, you want to say something? You have a minute. Are you there, Keeper? Or maybe she did she go away? Okay, what I'm going to say is that this show was created to uncover predatory behavior going on in Alcoholics Anonymous, in the rooms, in the culture. And our slogan, like Allie said, is empowerment, not powerless. Uh, We are giving a voice to victims to speak up and speak out for themselves and others. We are changing the face of recovery. Remember, we're called Safe Recovery. There's alternatives online. There's meetings. There's Safe Recovery. There's Rational Recovery. There's Life Ring. There's Women for Sobriety. Boy, just Google alternatives for AA or alternatives for 12-step, and you can find something that may be safer. Uh, I want to thank you all for coming. We are going to plan a part two of Stop 13 Step in AA Join me next week, and I'm going to have Stanton Peel on the show. Thank you so much, and good night.